What a beautiful day it is out today. The sun is shining. A little frost on the pumpkin as they say, but it's, uh, it's good to have the sunshine that always warms us up. We're going to continue talking about evangelism, at least for the next few weeks. Reaching out to our neighbors, teaching that truth. Um, you know, there's something about God's Word that penetrates the lives. It, it really is something that uh, in our lives, if we're believers or non-believers, that, that speaks to our heart, that convicts us of the sin in our life. The things that we know that we should be doing that we don't do. And so there's power in God's Word, and that's one of the things we, we need to share we do talk about our life, and that salt and light, as we talk about that, is the life that we live amongst others. And so our scripture that we went off of last week and are going to continue to touch on this week is out of Matthew 5, um, 13 through 16. And it says, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your God in heaven. And so we are going to be talking about the life that we live, the example that we give. And I will say that words also need to go with this, but we're going to talk about the life that we live because many times in our life we give mixed messages. I know when I was growing up, um, you know, my mom uh, had a bunch of vices in her life. So she would smoke and then, but she would say, you know, don't ever smoke, you know, and she'd be smoking or she caught me smoking when I was young. You know, shame on you, you shouldn't do this. And she'd punish me, but she was smoking or she was drinking and she was doing all these things. And so the words that she was saying to me really didn't have impact because I was watching her life. And there are those that watch our life. And as parents, we need to think about that for our children. We always want our children to have something better, to do better, at least, than we did. I mean, that's sort of my goal in life, that, that my children do better than what I did in my life. And so how do we do that? Well, we do that by giving them an example with their life. We can tell them what to do, but we also need to show them what to do. And so last week we left with this question about how can we uh, live this pure life, uh, be pure, when we are out there in the world, we know that the world has a lot of things. They have a lot of pressures. There's a lot of temptations. There's a lot of these things that are out there in this real world. And Jesus really answered that in the scripture that we see today. He said, you are the light of the world. And he explained further, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. And so when we're out there in the real world, God is telling us that we need to be a light in darkness. The world is full of darkness. You, you watch, if you've watched the events of this last week about, uh, unfortunately, the things that are happening like down in Tennessee and those things, those are reoccurring events that come time and time again in our world. It's a dark place. There's a lot of sin out there. There's a lot of those that aren't even seeking after God. They're just seeking after themselves. They want to satisfy their flesh. They want to satisfy themselves. So what does that mean when God says, a city on a hill? How can I be a city on a hill? I'm not a city. I'm only one person. I could say I'm just one little light in there. Well, the Bible tells us that even though I am just one candle 
out in that darkness that God has a bigger plan for us. And that plan is I was never meant to shine alone. Even though we take that responsibility ourselves to go out into the world, the, the truth of the matter is, is I was never meant to just do it by myself. That is why Christ has created the church. And it's a beautiful thing. When we gather together, we help each other. We help each other in our walk. We help each other in our needs. We help each other with prayer, with supplying uh, the needs that maybe we have in our, in our time of crisis as we go through difficult things. So we encourage each other. We hold each other accountable. So in our lives, I have accountability partners. And so as I go through life, if I'm doing things or saying things or maybe even have an attitude that isn't Christ-like, they're holding me accountable. Are you changing that? Why are you acting like this? You shouldn't be doing this. This is what God's word says. We have all this so that when we go out into the real world that our light is going to shine as bright as it can. The lighthouse keepers of old used to spend a lot of time uh, wiping down that reflective mirror that the light would shine brightly because they knew lives depended on that light. Jesus has put us in the world to understand that very same thing, that that light is what draws people to him and it saves others from perishing, saves others from hell, it saves others from death. And so that's why it's good for us to attend church and to have Christian fellowship with one another because together as we hold each other accountable, as we help each other, as we shine together, our light is all the more bright. It's not to diminish that says one can't do anything, but I want you to think about this. If you had a one light, one watt bulb in your house at, at night, you would say that's an awful dim light. But when you have a hundred watt light, it shines greater. But I'm going to tell you, one watt still dispels darkness. But when we have that hundred watt light, how much more does it dispel? And so God has us to do that as a body of believers. That's what the church is. He is really calling us a city on a hill that shines bright to everyone. So we can't stay salty and we can't really shine brightly on our own. The Bible teaches us that we need one another. Christian fellowship is important. Jesus instituted the church for a purpose and for a reason. And that's that we come together and work together to do these things. We were designed by God to really spend time in community to spend time with each other, to have that fellowship that goes on in our life. God's plan for us is to be this city on a hill, to shine bright in all that we do. No one can put a whole city under a bowl. I want you to think about it. You can have one candle and you can, you know, put a, a bowl over that one candle, but nobody can put a whole city under a bowl. And so as we shine brightly, the light of Jesus is going to go out. The word, the truth, and all these things are going to go out into the darkness. And so many times as Christians, we can be afraid of darkness. But before we go there, I want to talk about one more thing. Salt and light has another common purpose that they do. And what it is, is that it reveals truth. We are here to present the truth of God's word. Not my opinion, not my truth, not what I think but what God's word says. Amen. There's power in God's word. The Bible says that as I share the word of God with others, that it will not return void. It doesn't say that my words 
well, are not going to return void. It says God's word will not return void. And so as we talk to people about choices that they make in life, being at the prison, I talk with people all the time about choices they have made, maybe even choices that they're still making and how they can be detrimental, how they can be harmful and how they can separate us from a holy God. We share that truth. We share God's word because then they're not arguing with me. Their argument is with who? It's with God, right? When we share what God says. And so we want to share that light because light reveals the truth. And so when I sprinkle salt, we talked about salt last week. When I sprinkle salt on a, on a nice steak, I don't think I've ever said, oh, man, that salt tastes good. I say, man, that steak tastes good. Because what is salt again? Salt is a flavor enhancer. And so when Jesus talks to us about being salt in this life, he's talking about us being an enhancer. It creates thirst, right? Salt creates thirst. But it also brings out the true steak flavor. It makes that which is good even a little better. And so as God calls us out into the world, as good as his word is, he wants us to share that and show that to other people. Salt on popcorn brings out more of the popcorn taste. Can you imagine? I mean, we do eat popcorn sometimes without salt, but it's sort of that. I like going to the movies because they put a lot of butter on it. They put salt on it. <laughs> it tastes great, right? It's a flavor enhancer. Salt on pretzels. If you ever just ate salt with pretzels, or no salt on your pretzels, it's just sort of that. We like a little bit of salt on a pretzel because it brings out the essence of that pretzel. Even recipes for cookies and cakes and, and all the things that, that we bake. Always ask for a little bit of salt in that recipe because it brings out that flavor. Salt enhances the flavor of anything it touches. When Jesus tells us to be salt in the life, I want to ask you, as a believer in Jesus Christ, as a Christian, are you enhancing the things that you touch in this world? The lives that you're involved with? Your workplace environment? Are you enhancing that environment? Is it showing at home? Is your home environment enhanced because of your relationship with Christ or at work or at school? At church in our neighborhood? Is your life touching others and enhancing that appetite that says, I want what that person has? If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're just naturally going to enhance the environment. If you're following him and following his word and living for Jesus, naturally we are going to enhance that environment around us everywhere we go. Colossians 4, 6 says this, Let your conversation always be full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You ever think of the words that we say? How we respond? The attitude that's behind the things that we say? It's not always necessary to preach to others or to debate with them. The way we walk, the way that we treat others, the way that we respond to others, the way that we react to stress. Maybe it's not even involving others, but they're watching us and they're seeing how we respond to the stress of life that's around us or to, to things that are going on at work or at home or at school. Eyes are upon us all the time. How do we react to those things? The Bible tells us if our conversation is full of grace, if it is seasoned with salt, 
It's going to be a blessing to those that are around. It's going to draw attention not to ourselves, because we don't need that. We shouldn't want that in our life, but to the one we follow. And so when people say, how can you go through that struggle in your life and and still keep a, a positive attitude? We can say it's not about me, but it's about my God. It's about my Jesus. He's the one that gives me strength. He's the one that gives me hope. In our Sunday morning Bible study in in Acts, we were talking about Paul and Jesus came and spoke to him and said, be of good cheer. And the next verse was really about 40 guys are plotting to kill you. We have God in our life. And so we give him the honor. We give him the glory because it's about him. And that's how we can be salt in the earth in our daily lives. We speak with grace. We think about the things we say before we say them. You know, a while ago, there's a story of some middle school students that were going to get into like a Bible quizzing type thing. I think it was called a Bible challenge. And they were going to try to memorize three, if you've ever been in these, they were going to try to memorize three chapters of the Bible And then they go and they get quizzed on these different things. But it takes a lot of memory. It takes a lot of effort as they do these things. And the church recognized that they needed a little help and they were looking for volunteers. Well, there was an elderly couple uh, named Tom and Jan that said, well, we will do it. Uh, The challenge was this, is that Jan was a little bit hard of hearing and Tom's memory wasn't all that it used to be. And we know that happens as we get a little older, but they... Uh, we're going to willing to take that risk in their life. So uh, you older people, as you think here and you're sitting here and you say, you know, my time is, is done to be working with young people. These people took that risk and they stepped up and they helped these young kids. And as they helped these young kids, uh, they learned and they grew together and they found out that uh, old people can actually be nice. You know, <laughs> sometimes young ones think, oh, look at it. Because, you know why? Because as old people, sometimes we got that scowl on our face all the time, right? But old people can be nice, and sometimes cake and cookie comes with old people. <laughs> so that's a wonderful thing, too. And they, they found all this out. And so they went to this tournament and they took first place. And the first thing that they wanted to do after they had won was to call Tom and Jan. And to say thank you for what you did. See, that's being salt. That's being light in this world. That's the kind of effect that we can have on people and that we should have on people as we leave and as we walk through our daily grind in this world, in the real world. You know, sometimes in church we have this controlled environment, right? We come to church. We know how we ought to act. We know how we ought to speak. We know how we ought to treat people. Out in the real world, sometimes it's tougher. But God gives us that challenge. He says, you are salt in life. And no matter how young or how old you can be, you can be salt and you can be light in the world. It enhances flavor. Light reveals truth. When people look at you, what truth do they see in you? Do they see that you truly love Jesus? Do they truly see that you are a follower of Christ? You know, when you come into a dark room and you turn the light on, you usually don't focus upon the light and look up and say, oh, the light bulb. No, when you come into a room, you turn the light on, you see the things that are around, right? You see the furniture, you, maybe you see the person, you see the, the articles that are laying around that room because light reveals things. When we speak of the light of God's word, it reveals things. When we read God's word, that light reveals things. It reveals things to me. 
Very seldom do I ever read scripture and I'm not challenged or convicted about something in my life or encouraged. See, God's light in his word reveals things. When we speak the light of God's word into people, and when we're living that light, it reveals things to others. It reveals to those that are going through struggles that there is hope. That there is hope. Does your life reflect hope to those that are going through a struggle? Maybe they're going through a relational turmoil in their life and they just, you know, they're struggling. They feel like they're drowning. We can speak hope into that situation. Because we don't just give them the words, but we give them our life. We get involved with them. We take that risk. Light illuminates the room. Light illuminates the light. So when God says you are salt and you are light, it's not something we become, but as a Christian it is something that we are. If you're a follower of Jesus, you should be giving light wherever you go. It doesn't mean that we're perfect. It doesn't mean that we don't have those moments because we all do and we all will. But as a rule, our life should be reflecting that light no matter where we go. Just by being who you are. Okay, do you get that? Just by being who you are. When Christ saved us, he changed us into who he would have us to be. He made Saul Paul, right? He made Abram Abraham. God changes us into who we are. And so now we don't need to pretend to be something that we're not. We are just who God has made us to be. And when he makes us, there's nothing better. And so we look at that person. We say, that's a genuine person. That's a a real person. There's no pretense. There's no fakeness. There's none of this about it. But I am who God has created me to be. And guess what? As Paul would say in in, um, Corinthians, as he talks about the body, some are fingers, some are thumbs, some are toes, some are arms, some are, are different things. We're all unique. The body of Christ is very diverse. We're not to conform ourselves to one another, but we conform ourselves to what Christ has made us to be. So be who you are. Give help to the people that God brings into your life because he brings them into your life because they need you and they need him. And so we speak that truth. And the amazing I think it's amazing the effect that just the the power of our life can have. And it's not me, but as the Bible would say, it's Christ in me. When we are living for Jesus, when we're walking for Jesus, when we're seeking to do that which Jesus would have us to do, the effect on people's lives can be transforming. And again, it's never about us. When somebody says, oh, you're so wonderful. No, it's not me, it's God. Get your eyes off of me. Get your eyes on Jesus. Man will always fail, but God is never going to fail. So when we look at others and we can say, you know, Jesus loves you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus has has died for you. He's given his life for you. Are you willing to live for him? It's amazing the effect that one Christian can have when they love other people the way that Jesus loved them. Do you love other people the way that Jesus loved you? That he gave his life and died for you? Have you experienced that in your life? Do you know Jesus in that personal, intimate way? And when you've experienced that love, when you've experienced that forgiveness, when you've experienced that grace and that mercy in your life, how can you but not help share that 
with others. Maybe you feel like your, your light is no brighter than that little book light, that little pen light that you see once in a while. And it doesn't matter. A little light looks good when it's surrounded by big darkness. If this room was totally blackened and I lit one little match in the corner, it dispels darkness. Amen. And so many times even a small light grabs your attention. It gives a point of reference that we can make our way to it. I often say when I moved up here from the cities, the cities were always light. Up in Minneapolis, you go out in the middle of the night, there was just a glow of the city all the time. I moved up here, out in the middle of nowhere, up by Gilman, it was dark. I mean, if you didn't have a moon, it was dark. And, and I was afraid of the dark. I, I could walk down Hennepin and Lake Street with all the gangsters and thieves and corruption that was down there and that was fine but get me in a dark place I was a little bit scared and so of course I took up habits like like coon hunting which you do in the middle of the night <laughs> in swamps and woods but when I would get lost or get twisted up you know I'd look around and pretty soon I would see a yard light and I knew that no matter where I was if I walked towards that yard light Eventually, I would find civilization again, right? <laughs> it gave me a point of reference. It gave me a place to go. So even a small light that night, a half a mile away, a yard light is a little thing. But it gave me a point of reference. And that's what our life can be. It gives people a point of reference. They look at us not as the big picture, but Jesus is the bright and shining star. And so as Christians, we should never be afraid to come in contact with the dark. I want you to understand that. It's not that we just walk boldly into uh, bad things, but we shouldn't be afraid of the dark. You know what darkness is? Darkness is passive. Darkness is nothing more than the absence of light. And so if we are light, what should our life do? It should displace darkness. And so as believers, we can go out into the world with the light of Jesus in our life, in our hearts, in the way that we are, are living our life, and we have nothing to fear because if God is with me, who can be against me? We have the light of Jesus in our life. When the light of Christ enters, the darkness always gives way to it. I want you to think about that. When light is present, darkness always gives way to it because darkness is passive. And so I want you to notice that Jesus didn't say again, you need to become salt and light. He says, you are salt, you are light. Wherever we go as believers, if we're following him and we've trusted him, we're going to enhance the people that we come in contact with. We're going to dispel darkness where we go. If you are, are living for Jesus and you are in a dark situation and you're living for Jesus, that's going to dispel the darkness that you come in contact with. And it gives us the opportunity to speak that truth of Jesus. In fact, right now in our auditorium, we are full of salt and light. We're a city on a hill. Do you believe that? Do you really believe that, that you are salt and light of Jesus and that he has a plan and a purpose for you? We continue to speak the truth of Christ because of what it has changed in our life. The blessings that we have received from him. The correction in our life to get us back on course to where we need to go. But the purpose of shining get together 
even as a church, is not to draw attention to ourselves. We don't want anybody to say, wow, that's a great little little, uh, country church in Boyd up on a hill. We want people to look and say, the presence of God is there. These are people that care about you and that love Jesus. Because it's not just about the church. It's about who's the head of the church. Colossians says, Jesus is the head of our church. And so as they look at us, we don't want them just to see a bunch of neat people, because we are, right? We're sort of cool. We, We do fun things. We enjoy praising God. But we want them to see that Jesus is alive and active in our body of believers. That the Holy Spirit is present here. And when people come here, their lives can be changed. Not by what we are doing, but by what Christ is doing through this city on a hill. Through the light of Jesus. The purpose is to draw attention to the truth. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. We point them to him. We just need to let our light shine to let our salt get out of the shaker and to let Jesus do the rest and to let the Holy Spirit do the rest. When we go out into our community, people will see how great our God is. Is that your goal as you go through life, that people see how great our God is, how great our Jesus is? Do you want them really to come? Do you got that burden for the lost? And when we have that attitude that I just want to reflect Jesus, I want to be like that that lighthouse. All that big mirror does is reflect, right? If you've been out at night and you see a full moon, it's a beautiful thing. It lights up fields. I mean, you can walk through the woods when you've had that big full moon, but that full moon shines none of its own light. It's all a reflection of the sun. You can be that full moon. We reflect the light of Jesus in our life the closer that we draw to him. The more that we shine that mirror. So it's not I that they see, but Christ in me. If you're not a Christian, you're sitting here today, I hope you see the truth of God's word through what we're sharing today. If you know that there's things in your life that that don't belong there, listen, our God is a forgiving God. Scriptures tell us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't die for anyone here because we were good enough. He didn't die for one of you here because he thought you deserved it. He died for us and forgave us our sins because he loved us. And he wanted to draw us to him. I hope you can see the truth today. Come to Jesus, the giver of life, the giver of eternal life, the one who can make our life worth living. Let's pray.